Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crew Call 4-3. This is uh, April 2023. And um, I'm talking with my new friend, uh, Nick Santo from Nick's Trains. Uh, Nick and his uh, charming wife, Sue, came by and, and uh, visited the layout recently. And uh, he's also got some products that um, I'm, I'm interested in talking about and using. So there's a lot to, to talk about with Nick. We might as well get right to it. Welcome aboard, Nick. Hi, Mike. How you doing? We really, Sue and I really enjoyed the layout tour. We had a great well, time. You it was, it was nice, nice having you guys come over. You know, anytime somebody shows up, you you never know if it's going to be a 10-minute visit or if the people are going to get it or not. But you guys seem, uh, you know, genuinely in, interested in um in, in what I was doing there. And you also gave me some very nice uh, uh, feedback at the, at the end, which I, which I very much appreciated. We'll get to the layout visit in a minute and, and, and how that even came to be, uh, to be a thing. But um, I guess maybe I have to ha start out by asking you some questions about, about Nick's trains. And I found out a little bit about it uh, when you visited, but it sounded like, it was too interesting not to talk about on the podcast, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to have it sound played by the time I, I I talked with you about it again. So, um, like most people our age, you know, I think you know we 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 have we've had a a, a varied uh, background, and Nick's trains wasn't always a thing, was it? That's correct. It's so how how long have you been doing Nick's trains? Uh, about five years now. Okay. And, and is that, were you looking to do something in retirement? Is that basically the impetus behind it? Well, retirement scared me. I think I was running down into the cellar to play with the trains so I didn't get bored. And uh, it kind of, it kind of uh, emanated from there. It was a thought I had for, for a while and it manifested itself then. Have, have you always been a model railroader? I have. Uh, my grandfather had a figure eight on a piece of plywood when I was five years old. And that nice. Was, that was the seed. <laughs> HO or O scale? Uh, it was an O scale. It was uh, Marks at that time. Mm -hmm. And then it got bigger. Each Christmas, I got another another layer. And uh, the last layer, I looked at it and I just, I'm not sure I can run this. This is this is way, way, way too too complicated. Really? And that was a good, that was a, that was a good life lesson. Um didn't take long before I was running two trains at a time, and mm -hmm. the two-handled uh, Lionel uh, transformer, and, and it it just was a lot of fun. I can um, remember building. I think I followed the Kalmbach book, "The HO Railroad That Grows." Remember that book? Mm -hmm. uh, I think yep. Lynn, Lynn Westcott probably did that book. You know, and I remember making um, terminal strips with my dad. He cut them out of masonite. And we put little screws into, we actually made our own terminal strips and uh, made a control panel just like they had in the book. I mean, we're going back. Wow. I must have been single digits, you know, yep. and, yeah. um, uh, you know, flipping toggles to run two trains on DC and, and all of that. And, uh, well, we've come a long way technologically, you know, in terms of all of this stuff. Absolutely. So, you your background uh, in in uh, in your in your non Nick Strange life was what? What did you do? I went to school and uh, came out as a chemist and uh, <laughs> accidentally bumped into a job 
in a chemistry lab. I was an environmental analytical chemist for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And we were right, right next to an airport. And one day I went out and said, Mr. U.S. Air in the right seat, be careful, because I'm going to be sitting in your seat shortly. And uh, I'm pretty good at stepping on toes and worked for an FBO and stepped on toes really, really hard there somehow. I'm not quite sure how. And uh, took all my flight students, because uh, I enjoy teaching, to across the field and started a flight school that went for another 20 years. And then I retired. <laughs> Have you ever jumped out of a plane, parachuted? Nope, nope, nope. Nobody ever offered. It wasn't <laughs> anything I was going to pay to have done. <laughs> when when I was about, uh, maybe I was 18 or 19, there was a guy that I worked with, and um, he was all hot about, about potentially doing that. So he and I went over to a local airport where they had a little a little jump school like that, and we were, we were going to sign it. We were, we were you know sure we were going to do it. And we walked in there and um, and they said, yeah, just uh, wait, we'll be right with you. So we sat down and then two guys walked in and they had all the gear and meters all over their arms and they were talking. <laughs> and uh, we just listened to that for a while. And then I looked at my friend and he looked at me and without a word, we stood up and left. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> we just walked out of the, I think we realized we were a little out of our depth. <laughs> but it was like a wordless agreement there that we, that yep. we made, you know? Yep. Um, so you, did you continue to do model railroading all throughout uh, your adult life here and there? Here and there. Um, I convinced myself when I was flying that looking down at my, uh, at uh, one-to-one trains was was good enough of her model training for uh, for the time being, but uh, it wasn't until I got in enough time uh, in retirement to really start building a a, a a real model railroad. So that was your first actual what you call a real model railroad. Yeah, I, uh, and there were there were a few starts. Um, I had uh, a small railroad in in a, in the bedroom. Uh, in one of our earlier houses, and I, I picked at it here a little bit. Uh, I knew where I, I when we moved uh, into South Burlington, I had decided pretty much where I was going to start, and uh, then it evolved from there. I, the railroad, it wasn't really planned totally before I started to build it. It, it evolved, <laughs> and that's been a nice way to do it. So what's the focus of the railroad? Like, what's it about? Uh, I started um, with Burlington uh, Rail Yard. Uh, that was that was the major focus. I wanted it was close. I could see it. Um, I could in, in what see era, the, though? Uh, as well, I tell people it's as close to uh, now as I can afford. And that started it about twenty years ago. So uh, it's it's evolved, and and the railroad has evolved too. Yep. It's, it's it's uh it's constantly changing. I I had the fortunate uh circumstances of being able to work there a little bit and know the owner pretty well. And wow. once in a while I'd go up and uh say, Dave, you're costing me money again, because he'd be changing around the yard or doing something down down downtown that uh I'd have to move around or uh, rework. It's nice to have that prototype connection, boy. It really scratches an itch, doesn't it? It really does. I was very fortunate. Yep. I, I had done a lot of rail fanning 
especially in the 90s. That was kind of like my heyday for just getting out there and and uh, trying to experience everything, you know, and um, that that could turn down quite a bit when um, when Conrail ended in the very late 90s there, you know, and uh, I, I just woke up one day and I thought, she's I'm a I'm a period railroader now, you know, uh, period yeah. modeler. I I kind of I kind of got got to understand what the steam guys how they how they felt you know when those those smelly diesels came in, um, <laughs> but um, and and what's interesting is at that point like yourself I was trying to keep up with all of the events of of, uh, of of moving along in real time with with Conrail and I was getting more and more wide nose uh, locomotives and getting more into intermodal and things like that and honestly kind of liking it less believe it or not you know i i mean i i i think I, the more i got away from a classic manifest train i was i you know i, I was getting away from what i truly grew up with and and, and ended up loving you know so mm-hmm. um i think that um it's not a surprise that i drifted backwards uh in in time from you know the, the end of conrail to early 90s conrail to what i'm doing now which is you know, 1984. Um, But that's interesting. So is is it your intention to keep marching forward or? uh... Well, I think your comment was, was, uh, was very similar to my thoughts. Um, Vermont Railway, we were talking a moment ago about pictures. Um, I think I have very detailed pictures of all the red locomotives that, uh, Vermont Railway had and, and yep. a couple of the couple of the green green mountain ones, and so I have a very good detail there, and I do have their two SD seventy aces, uh, and I'm I'm working on them right now. I'm trans I'm bringing them up to where I want them to be, mm-hmm. and uh, so it it is a stretch. I do like the aces, but I the the GP thirty eights and the GP forties are. Are really turning into where my love is, and uh, I think, you know, just to stay to stay in that era. Right now, they're going to a lot of uh, GTMX or GMTX uh, blue locomotives, and mm-hmm. I, I Le- leasers, I, leasers, yeah. And I kind of decided in my mind that nope, that's that's the end of you that's draw the, the end line of somewhere, going. right? Yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. the railroad you're modeling; it's a leasing company. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It ends with an X, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how long ago did they have the uh, SW fifteen hundred in red? Like, is that long gone? Long, long gone. Yeah, long, long, long gone. Um, that was a nice little locomotive. I have one. It's the first one I noticed good. on that railroad. Believe it or not. Yeah, I believe it. Um, boy, that must have been gone in 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 the in in the. 80s early probably. 90s late 80s yeah uh-huh. yeah i think so yeah although Classic. they still have uh 201 which was uh 201 and 202 201 is uh still in uh Vermont railway red and they uh that's a nice running locomotive i i actually when when i got to run that uh it, it you know i just had to smile because that was part of the history of the, of the mm-hmm. whole railroad and uh, the um, uh, 202 got painted blue for the Washington County uh, Railroad. And uh, so I, 
I, I just, I, I don't know. I was really sorry they did that. And I don't think I'll ever repaint 202. I might, I might get, I might get a, you know, I might get a 202 eventually, but uh, my 202 is red. <laughs> well, you know, with our layouts, we're, we're masters of our domain, right? It should be the way you want it. Even as yeah. a prototype modeler, sometimes I'll make a command decision and go, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. in fact, I've, I've, I've probably broken a couple of my own rules uh, much to the chagrin of some of my uh, cohorts, you know, that that run with me. And I just say, well, it's important to me and I'm doing it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So is that part of your railroad that I see uh, behind you there? It is. Um, actually, right. Uh, got my, my, my hand work right there. Looks like the Walsh uh, propane tanks on, the, on one side there. Yep. Uh, and they were all reworked. But uh, right where my finger was, was uh, is Depot uh, Farm Supply. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was lucky. There's uh, uh, American Model Builders uh, B&O station that was just exactly like, just there was no kit bashing at all to it. It was assemble it, paint it the same wow. color, and that was it. Uh, the rest of the building, the, the grain tower there and the, uh, and, and the extension of the building, uh, was all kit bashed. And so I had that, uh, uh, not kit bashed, but scratch built. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I took, um, a copy of model railroader one day and Tony Custer had been on a trip through new England and, and he shot, he shot that, uh, he shot that building. And, uh, so not, not on my railroad, but the real thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just, I just about fell over that uh, we both had the same idea to say at the same time. It was kind of a well, probably a very building. photogenic, modelable structure, right? Well, it it wasn't an easy structure to build, but uh, very photogenic. Yeah, you know, green green elevators uh, and facilities usually aren't easy and straightforward to build, but I think for for my for me anyway, it's part of the part of the charm of it. It's it's like building a resin kit or something. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's it's not something you see people doing every day, and I I don't know I'm I'm getting ready. I just ordered some materials, and I'm getting ready to do my final grain mill uh, mm -hmm. on the layout, which is in that. I remember I showed you the uh, former oil tank room where you go through the the foundation wall. To, yeah, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was your visit or not, but all of a sudden I'm hot to get working on on that area, you know, and that's uh, great. As I'm ordering some things for it, I thought, wow, this is probably the last grain elevator I'm going to build because this is the last section of layout to build, you know, something that would have been inconceivable to say 10 years ago. So fortunately, I'm enjoying running the the, uh, the, the railroad and it's not like my wife worries that I'm going to run out of fun things to do. You know? <laughs> um, so you had your business career like so many of us do and and you retired and all of a sudden there's this next trains that i need to know all about i know that one day in my mailbox a decoder buddy showed up <laughs> that you sent me to try out and we probably had some prior correspondence on that i actually can't even remember but maybe you could talk a little bit about what led to that when I first got into this phase of of, of uh, model railroading, I was uh, I was I was in a small place. There was a, a, uh, an engineer from 
a, a, a educated engineer. Not uh, not, not that uh, railroad engineers aren't educated, but uh, mm -hmm. different he, kind of uh, engineer. Yeah, he 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 uh, came to Vermont and uh, did classes and had a small train store in Virgins, um, Vermont, and he he made the initial. Uh, locomotives that I had. It was always after me. Geez, you know, you should go DCC. You should go DCC. He was taking black Athern, Athern uh, locomotives and uh, super detailing them and are painting them and super de detailing. They're really nice mm -hmm. locomotives. I, I, I still have every one, every one of them. I, I and, still remember uh, that period where I was still DC and people were starting to go DCC and I eventually bit the bullet, you know, and Put NCE DASRs in all my locomotives, you know. Yeah, same here. All right, nice. I'm done now. Yeah, they're great. They're great decoders. <laughs> and they were like nine bucks. I mean, they were, they were, you know, it wasn't a big investment to do that. Um, and of course, I thought I was all set until sound came out. But I, but I jumped in here. Go keep going. So no, that's that's good. Uh, we're uh, so then uh, Atlas came out with uh, GP forties. And uh, they all had the uh, QSI decoders in them. Mm -hmm. And I, I I went down into the train yard and, you know, I was taking pictures and happened to notice they had ditch lights. And at that time, I said, well, you know, geez, ditch lights would be neat. And I'm an electronics hack. I, I'm a, I, instead of a double E, I'm, I'm, I'm about a 0.1 E. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it uh, have to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, just barely. <laughs> um, so I, I I took the shell off and, and started to try to put uh, ditch lights in, and the QSIs just wouldn't do it. And that was that was about when I was really started into the flight school, and that business really took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I I hacked at it a little bit, and I went Tony's is uh, just just a stone's throw away from here, and I, I knew Tony Parisi. Mm -hmm. And he he's he was a great guy, and he had a guy Josh Shetaker that uh, knew the owner of uh, QSI, and we we worked and worked and worked at it, and it just never went anywhere. So I went back to Tony's a while later, and Eric Fisk had taken over at that point, and I said, Eric, uh, that's when I got SD seventy Aces. I want to do uh, I want to do sound in these. Which way which way would you go? And he mm -hmm. happened to say. Uh, Loke Sound, and that was fine with me. Well, Loke Sound had uh, had had the decoder that would fit right into uh, those locomotives, and actually would would have fit back into the uh, old dual mode um, Atlas locomotives. And this is the uh, the twenty one pin. No, this is this was I forget the model, but a Select Direct that had the I, I call them two holers the. It has oh, it was their it was their board in. type decoder. Yeah. Yes. And and the first thing I did with that was cut the end of it off and started soldering soldering in, in into into the decoder and said, wait a minute, this is this isn't a wise thing to do. And right, and Lo sound was good. I forget what I did to one one of them. I guess it was the first twenty one pin or or, or 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 no, it wasn't. Um, I, I I modified the board and it had a plug in decoder that went into that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I uh, somehow I smoked one, 
And so I sent, I, I sent the, I sent the other part back and I said, listen, you don't want to see the board I'm plugging into. I know, I know I'm not, I, I, I know I'm not making uh, smoke with that board. I think, I think it was the decoder. So they sent me a new decoder They They've always been very good about replacing yep. as, as soundtracks has too. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go, go in any particular direction there. So anyway, um, I started to work with the 21 pin decoder next. And that's, that's where the development process of the board came in. I, I like their idea of the select direct board with, with the plug-in decoder. I really like the idea of the 21 pin decoder in terms of at that time, there were eight, holy cow, eight uh, lighting outputs. When they went to 12 uh, lighting outputs, boy, I was, I was in heaven. I, mm-hmm. I, I immediately went from my original version to what I call the V5 uh, version so that I could get all 12 lighting outputs. And right. uh, that, that was really the thrust of the whole thing. The, the th- frustration was not being, was not being able to get the lighting functions. The, the sound functions were all good. Even on the QSI, the QSI had pretty good sound and it was stereo and it, it, it was good. And, and it's motor control was, wasn't bad. Uh, it was, if you can call it control, there was their their uh, their computer control to change things around inside was, you know, when when you come out with a two hundred and thirty page book and and no that's 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 not how that's not how to teach people how to right. Uh, so how to so I'll decoders. pause you for a minute and give you my experience with early decoders like that. Um, seemed like pretty much once I'd gotten everything you know non sounded DCC. My buddies like Confalone and some other guys were putting sound in. And and also Tony K was very influential with promoting sound too. He used to say in the early days, no sound, no layout. I mean, he was that much of a sound proponent, you wow. know. And um I was experiencing it on other people's layouts, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go again, you know. <laughs> and and eventually I, I think I want to say it was probably Atlas. B23-7s came with the QSI sound decoder. That was probably the first sound-equipped uh, engine that I that I purchased. And honestly, I remember putting it on the layout, and of course it was like top volume, like just blaring. <laughs> and to me, it sounded like a like a giant Norelco shaver. You know, I just thought, oh, really? That's what that's what that should sound like. Um, and not in some of those QSI boards, as I recall, that you had the ability to to swap the chip, um, as I recall. And there was they had better GE recordings, and I ordered a a different chip and popped it in from some other you know line of theirs, and it was much much better sound, you know. But um, then Confalone started using tsunamis and. To my ears, the tsunami was a big upgrade across the board on many of those recordings. Uh, in fact, Mike C even worked with tsunami to uh, arrange some recordings uh, done on on uh, real locomotives up there. In fact, I forget what railroad it was. Might have been um, might have been in Vermont or it might have been in New Hampshire. I just don't remember. But uh, that GP thirty eight recording that he he did with uh, with soundtracks is still. One of the better, you know, GP GP thirty eight recordings that um, uh, I, I've I've still heard. 
now there's the sound aspect of it and then there's the operational aspect of it right and uh we started doing some things you know we we we, we developed a way with tsunamis to do what we called straight to eat where you know we could go right to right to um run eight in uh, sound wise but um but not have to do it with speed you know we were we were fooling around with the fact that you know the speed of the loco and the rpm of the engine didn't always track exactly we knew what we wanted to get um i think we even had a way to get coast out of it you know where you could drop to idle but not drop your speed going way back here now i'm trying to remember everything that we did Confluent was always doing fiendish experiments in the basement there, you know. <laughs> but I was going down to Cocoa Beach one day uh, for the meet down there. And uh, and Mike said, you know, you should look up this guy, Matt Herman, down there. He's doing some interesting things with Loke Sound. I said, Loke Sound, what's that? You know, and he, he, he filled me in on that. So make a long story short, because um, at that point I had started my install business, you know, and I was doing a lot of stuff with soundtracks and I was a direct soundtracks you know dealer and I uh, met up with Matt down in Cocoa Beach and we hit it off and ended up you know becoming fast friends really um and he was instrumental in getting me to understand uh the complexities of of low sound and programming and using their programmer and the and the software um but because of the relationship we had a lot of uh feedback going back to them and basically we worked with Loke Sound to develop the whole full throttle thing in fact Contalone came up with that name uh, but we did all kinds of experimenting on on my layout and and Contalone's layout testing these these features and you know what what's in there today came out of the uh, us browbeating them to include these features you know uh, in the decoder I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have uh, that kind of input with a manufacturer ever again, you know, but, but it came right at the right time, you know, and, and of course now I'm in the business of yanking out tsunamis and, and putting in low sound decoders, you know, um, and all of that stuff is hardwired. Like if you take a DASR out of a, out of a locomotive and you want to put another decoder in it, you're either using a, you know, I, I think I put, you know, tsunamis in at that time and, they were kind of the same form factor, but a lot of the installs that I did after the fact were just hardwired, regular eight-pin eight connector selects, where you lop off the connector and, and, and hardwire everything. Also cutting over from bulbs to LEDs, uh, you know, at the same time. And I think everybody was going through the same thing. They're buying factory locomotives with looks on decoders in them. They like the way they sounded. They want their other engines you know to look and sound uh, to right, run right. and sound you know the same way so i did a lot of business bringing people's other fleets earlier fleets you know up to the standard of what else they were buying so that's probably around the same time period where you're looking at uh uh doing some things with this and and now you're 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 thinking boy if i only had a way to hence the decoder buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. That uh, the twenty-one pin decoder. Actually, at that time, I was not an MRA member, and uh, on, only just saw the Loke Sound twenty-one pin decoder and developed the, got the got the plug that I needed, and went out to the places I needed, and I, I had it pretty much designed before I saw the uh, the NMRA spec for the uh, 
for for the situation. Oh, and how did it differ? Um, actually, it was one on top of the other. I, I just they said don't put anything under the decoder, so I didn't have anything under the decoder because you know, it's just good electronics. If sure. two things touch, then and you know, shorts your right you're out of slits. Yeah. So, uh, and and the rest was just putting pins on it uh, that that I wanted. So it, it essentially, how, how do you go from having an idea to making production boards like that? Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. That was uh, actually that. That's where I could have shown you some pictures. I I I took the. Uh, you the can toss some things up on the on the podcast group uh, later. People can go on there and see whatever pictures you're going to post uh, subsequent to this. Thanks. I will. Um, it, uh, uh, Loke sound had, had, a had a 21 pin decoder, uh, holder and it, it just had the lines coming out for, uh, all, 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 all the different parts. Right. And, uh, I said, wow, that's great. But when I put it in my, my, my narrow body GP 38s, it, it was too wide. So I said, well, that's, that's that's, really? that's 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 a showstopper right there. Sure. And the second thing was, uh, so I I shaved off shaved it off and, and and worked on that a little bit. And uh, the next thing was, um, I hadn't realized the difference between power and logic. Uh, power is twelve volts and logic is five volts. So uh, and it doesn't necessarily come out as fi- out out of the decoder as five volts. Um, depends upon how you set the decoder up itself so uh i went through and i made i i i cut the traces and i put uh resistors on so i could take the 12 the 412 volt uh power outputs and and not burn out leds but the rest of them wouldn't work so that was a head scratcher i had to work work through that and figure out uh how to as Loke sound would say amplify the uh amplify the signal and that's so so this was a single layer board i take it it is a single layer board mm-hmm. and uh so after i figured out how to amplify the signal everything came out as 12 volts i decided on 2.2k resistors just like uh Loke sound had mm-hmm. and uh then jeff bunza was uh was talking about osh osh park out in oregon making purple boards um that uh if if you could I, I, it's been a while i went to the uh the internet and designed the board sent sent the board the board out and ash made three or five or seven of them or something like that for 19 or 20 bucks and i had them back and I'll do a small batch like that really yeah 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 and so that was the prototype and and Certainly, the you know the the first nine didn't work, <laughs> and uh, so I, I kept I kept punching at it, and uh, eventually when you say it didn't work. Like what what kinds of things weren't working? Um, size of uh, size of components, position of, of components, um, the electronics was were all there. It was just a matter of getting getting everything lined up to where I needed it, and and and. You know, just mistakes get made when you're when you're on your own. I I, I try to I try to do stuff right the first time, but right. You're not like happen. an experienced electronic circuit designer. No. <laughs> Jeez. No. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really interesting that that you know 
that somebody with no background in that can go from idea to prototyping to eventually have it evolve into a viable product. Yeah. I'll tell you a quick side story. I, after I got it to where I did like it and, and I did have a prototype that worked, I, I, I went to uh, Eric Fisk and I said, who are you using to uh, make your boards? And he told me. And uh, so I, I took a deep breath and said, let's try a thousand. And, uh, you know, because it, it was working well for me and I liked it. Sure. So uh, I, I, I had a guy make a thousand for me. And they came back in and you know how it's a two-part board. You have the motherboard with the yes. little, little small connector board. And I turned one upside down and the small connector board fell off. Uh oh. Yeah, that was definitely an oh. And it was just before we were going to leave on on uh, on our on our on our fall fall departure for, for sunnier climates. And uh so what do you do at that point? Uh sweat. <laughs> I was sweating. I was sweating blood at that point. Um, it's what, probably what not a hundred bucks worth of product. And I mean, it, no. you've got an investment here. Yeah, the 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 uh, the small connector board was too thick, and when the pins go up into in, into the connector, the uh, the the connections are at the top of the pin. When when you put a twenty one pin connector uh, uh, board on, on on a motherboard. Those the, the the connection the pins go up to the top of that uh, to connect. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the problem. So I needed a, a, a thousand new connectors and a thousand new boards. And I said, well, let's go with two thousand connectors, and we'll see what happens with the boards. And and then so I designed my own boards with the right thickness of of uh, printed circuit boards, so that so that so that mechanically it would fit. And uh, sent off to China. Well. Uh, I forget how I received them. They finally came back from China, and uh, so I had to hand solder the uh, the the ten uh, the ten pin connectors onto. Uh, a, well, yeah, I, I, that took a little time. And, uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it all at once, obviously. No, 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 no. How, how many? How many at a time could you stand doing? Uh well you know I set up a jig so I could do six 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 at a at a small time and okay. I'd sit there for an hour and probably knock out I don't know thirty forty fifty sixty something like that yeah I mean it's not the ideal hourly rate right no no <laughs> no. no but uh, you know I don't I don't mind as a matter of fact Mike just last week um I I I got myself into a situation where I where I I, I back ordered a, a big amount of uh, V5B boards mm -hmm. and we had uh, some of them fall off in the machine and, and the guy uh, the guy that does them now uh, assembles the Chinese parts is out in uh, Arizona and, and he had sometimes parts fall off or the end of a reel of, 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 of parts so he had he had connectors and boards so just last week I was trying to catch up with for my small for my small customers um enough boards uh so I was so I was soldering 14 pin connectors onto small connector boards to keep up with uh with a with a small time demand that I I you know I I, I can't I can't get up with a backlog that I mean know. but by any definition this product has been a big success I, it's been amazing somebody said Nick you're just catching you're just you're you're, you're just catching your stride right now and I, I kind of 
it, it kind of took me back and, 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 you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible to me that. Uh, so have there been uh, basically two major iterations? Cause you had sent me one to try out and then you sent me, uh, you know, an upgraded one. And I don't remember exactly what the differences were between them. I'm sure it was in the little uh, lighting daughter board, I think you said, but we can talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, the original had eight, eight, uh, eight outputs, eight identical outputs uh, with resistors so that you can just add uh, an LED with two wires, no resistors mm -hmm. or anything, just soldered on the board. Yep. Um, the second iteration had uh, has has twelve, which met with Loke Sound's uh, upgrade to twelve lighting outputs. Right. And uh, the first iteration still needs uh, an easy way to get to the uh, third wire of a of of a power pack, a Loke Sound uh, stay alive. Mm -hmm. um, the the difference between a V five and a V five B, and they're all V five Bs going out now. Is that it has three discrete pads for uh, for the for the uh, for oh, for pack. the three for the three wire power pack? Yes, gotcha. Um, and then along the way, I had people with small locomotives uh, and small steam locomotives say, "Doesn't have to be that big. All I need is uh, two headlights, and that's that's it for the most part. Uh, and 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 a cup and and the three wires for the stay alive." And I gave him two extra wires. Not every uh, diesel uh, has has ditch lights, right? So it's true. It's true. So um, so I, I have uh, what I call the mini version, and then to keep up with uh, the two, <laughs> I call them the two big gorillas in the uh, the the ring, lovingly um, and carefully, because I feel like I'm, I'm I'm walking between two dancing gorillas <laughs> um, at times. Uh, good people on on both sides. Um, the uh look sound and soundtracks look sound and soundtracks and and so thank you uh what what i've what i've done is i've 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 tried to match look sound with uh 2.2k resistors on 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 one set and then i've made a, an identical set with the 1k resistors to match uh what uh soundtracks has mm -hmm. uh with their tsunamis and uh so basically, then, the customer would just specify which which decoder when ordering. Yes, yeah, that's on the website, and uh, also in uh, you know at Yankee Dabbler and and Tony's and Streamline Backshop and all all the all the uh, all the web dealers and, and actually right now um, I've got a couple of distri uh, one dis or one distributor and a second major U.S. distributor just courting me, and I'm going to have to put. Um, barcodes on, on on all my labels so that I can, so I can scan them and it's going that direction the other wow. thing Mike is uh what I, what I've, what I've looked at is uh when you put headlights in some people say Nick boy those headlights are awful dim I want what's the, what's the what's the smallest resistor you can put on and I say well you know about the smallest resistor I'd put on a, on an LED is 750 ohm resistor with 12 volts and that way you're, you're you've got about as bright as you can get and it'll probably last your age and my age together but uh, no mm -hmm. guarantees and uh so i can do that but then the, then they want uh uh ground lights and step lights and all that and that's way too bright for those right so what I, what i'll do for you is i'll put uh 
for uh, a 47K, 22K, 100K uh, resistors on those outputs uh, and, and make custom boards for, for what you want for your lighting situation. And where that makes a difference is uh, not so much when, when you're just running around the layout, looking at it with, your, with, with our old analog eyes here, um, but when you're looking at it with a digital camera, mm. you, could, you, you watch, you watch, and 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 and, and uh, the lights are blinking, uh, the headlights are blinking, or or the ditch lights are, are blinking, or the the ground lights or whatever are blinking. That's because it's just like a propeller. When when you're taking a picture uh, out through an airplane, it's catching it in segments. It's catching it here, 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 through its cycle. So it looks like it's it's stop motion. So uh, if 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 you're into uh, video of 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 your of your model of your model trains, then you'd want to consider uh, using different resistors for uh, for the outputs for the LEDs. Interesting, very interesting. So you have what three SKUs at this time? You've got the mini, the the the. the... The the five B for soundtracks and look sound. Yeah, uh, the the V five I, I I I'm about ready to uh, come out uh, with a with a one K, uh, the mini and one K, two point two K and what I call a zero ohm, and that's for the guys who just really want to keep those uh, keep those um, incandescent bulbs on board. Uh, and I can understand that if it's way in front of a uh, way in front of a, a boiler, and and you've got to pull a light out there, uh, you know you you're probably better off putting uh putting a decoder on a 12 volt output and a big resistor on that. Now, uh, let me get into that just a little bit. Why I say a big resistor is if you use a little quarter watt resistor, say a, a 200 ohm resistor. Uh, and then you go in and you grab grab that resistor and it's been running for a couple seconds. Yeah, you're going to have two so. welts. Yeah. So uh, so use a half a, a watt. Then I I go to right to a watt. I and and I think you'll find watt resistors. And you know where you find them is on the old boards that you took out of the uh, <laughs> out of the locomotive to begin with. I, you know, recycling is is perfect there. Right. Right. Um, so so you can put those in line and be really careful if you're using a Using using a plastic shell so that you don't melt it. Right, right. Interesting. Now, you have kind of an interesting um, schedule. Um, <laughs> you know, lo most companies would have you know a place of business where they do business, and that's where they're shipping out of, and. Suppose that's where you might return a defective to, you know. Um, but you you you're a bit of a nomad uh, for X amount of the year. Is that correct? <laughs> that's correct. We leave uh, we leave Vermont in uh, November, earlier in November, uh, the better, just to stay away from those white things that fall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then we uh, we roll back through in. Um, in April and hope that uh, all the white is gone. We were pretty lucky this year. It's only been a couple of weeks. It was a very mild winter this this year, although I can't speak to what it was like up in up in Vermont. 
but I, I only plowed once all year, which is kind of unprecedented, actually. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in retrospect, I if I didn't have somebody coming by that day and I had just waited a day, I would have just let it melt. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, yeah. But you, so you're, you have a camper, I mean, a motorhome. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have an older Winnebago and uh, we, we, do you, and you we have started a by, with a car. I mean, do you, do you tow a car around or is it just. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like a spare tire. And it's nice to park and, and, <laughs> and plug it all tire. in and be able to drive away to the right. post office. if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and how do you decide where are you going and how long you're there? Uh, we have developed, uh, we started out parking lot to parking lot to parking lot. And yeah. that went good for the first year when we were figuring out what America looked like. And the second year, it got a little bit dry, especially in, 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 the, in, in the western part of Texas and uh, Arizona. And uh, so I, I got a little bit of grief from the... Uh, from the chief dispatcher. She said that um, she was getting bored with this, you know? And uh, so I, I said, well, you know, uh, it'd be really neat to meet some model railroaders. I know there's some really neat railroads around. I know there's some other people. So, and So can I pause you for a sec? I want to make sure I understand yep. something right. You would literally go to a parking lot? Yep. Uh, and boy, things have changed. We used to, we used, <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, we we go from Planet Fitness to Planet Fitness to Planet Fitness, and I go in and say, "Hey, do you mind if I'd stay in your parking lot? I'm going to run around in circles tomorrow morning in, in in your gym, and then we'll disappear forever." And that and that that worked really great. Um, wow, <laughs> for you a long time. Use the locker room, shower up. Yep, yep, and off we go. Wow. Um, that worked. That worked great for. That worked great for a number of years. And uh, in a, a pinch, test of a marriage, just, being in a, you know, in a, um, a Winnebago for nine months or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that is tight quarters on occasions. Hmm. Um, so you so, decided you were going to start visiting model railroads wherever possible. Yep, and uh, just a quick one. In, in, uh, we we discovered this year we stopped to see Scott Lister down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, pulled our car off, and uh, went away with Scott for for a day, and uh, just on the way out, and he had a, he had a nice place to park. We just I was just being a little bit lazy and and wanted more to get the day on. We came back and he said, "Where's your car?" And uh, <laughs> I called I called the police and they said. Uh, I, I said, I, I, I'm looking for a black Toyota Corolla. And they said, oh, yeah, with green plates and it's uh, and it's not stolen. We, we towed it got towed today. Why did so, they tow it? Uh, because I was parked because uh, I'd stayed there overnight. So that's that whole that whole thing dried up instantly. So to, to answer the rest of your question, we've been going from uh, state park to state park to state park. And yep. federal parks, and, and and that that's worked very well. Um, so you put on like how many miles do you put on in a season? Do you think? Uh close to six thousand. Yeah, not as much as I thought. No, no. Well, we we're only going from Vermont, only going from Vermont to Texas. Um, now around Houston, we got out to Austin this year, 
And oh, so uh, you're not roaming the whole country? No, unless um, you're unless you're going to and from. Right. right. I got you. And it, it's been kind of kind of a standard standard trip from here to uh, our our, our air, aircraft mechanic uh, of the past lives in Hickory, uh, Hickory, North Carolina. I have a college, but uh, a high school buddy in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then we, we meander on uh, through um, uh, Mandeville, uh, which is north of Lake Pontchartrain in Louisiana, yep. down into, uh, we have we have a, uh, a bunch of good friends in, in southeast Texas around Beaumont. Um, and uh, so we spend a lot of time in Lumberton. There's, there's a nice uh, state park there. Texas state parks are superb. Hmm. It's really nice. Fascinating. So the reason I brought all that up is you carry your business around with you. Yep. So you're literally shipping out from wherever the heck you happen to be. Yep. 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 (laughs) Which, you know, welcome to the internet, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to the internet for this whole thing. I could never imagine this business going with with the magazines of 30 years ago, too. Right. Right. You You couldn't do it. So, so literally, you could be shipping out from South Carolina or Beaumont, Texas, or anywhere in between that you happen to be. Yeah, you you would you would have smiled at one of the post offices. Um, so, sometimes they're so small. You say, uh, "Can can I have a receipt for your scan?" Just and and the lady behind the counter will say, "No, but I can scan it for you. You can watch me scan it." And 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 it's a one room post office. It isn't much bigger than this this area behind me. <laughs> you would you would think they'd have the same technology in every every post office. Pretty much, but uh, not not necessarily not necessarily a nice printer. <laughs> wow, you take a picture of it with your phone or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it you know just to watch or scan it is fine. Yeah, yeah. how many uh, and, how many layouts do you think you've visited? Oh. It's got to be into the tens, uh, 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 probably 10, 10, uh, 10 a year, summer revisits. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there, there was a good run this year, uh, just more and more on the way up through. Um, what, uh, it, if you, if you read Model Railroad Hobbyist, uh, one of, one of the ones, uh, that, stuck in my mind aside for yours and and i was very impressed with yours mike oh thank you uh was uh greg wiggins uh does a rutland uh, a rutland yard which uh you know kind of kind of lit me up because when 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 i was a kid uh rutland was only 56 miles to the north and now it's only 60 miles to the south so i'm apt to be you know i'm apt to go through there and we certainly went through there when i visited my parents mm-hmm. and uh the pictures uh from way back when they had uh, cement um, guardrail posts that were painted white and black. You oh, know, I remember he, those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he's that's, that's his era. It's, it's transition era. And my, and my buddy his, Jim Dufour was making those out of little pieces of wood, I think. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> so uh, his, his, his railroad was a standout. Um, Dave Abley's the uh the Onondaga cutoff. Yeah. Um 
I'm yeah, on his uh, uh, I'm on his Facebook group. He uh, he's a kindred spirit, I think. Yep. Yep. And uh, oh, Bill Chapin is is got a, a nice one going in New Jersey now. He's he's just he's just starting his. And uh, the nice thing is, uh, it, it's 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 kind of a a broad uh, spectrum of railroads that I see. I see very mature railroads like yours, and I see plywood. plywood you think mine is uh, very mature, beams. really. That's that's interesting. I do. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I think of it as yeah. a wet behind the ears adolescent, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd say it's very mature. I, I yeah. If that's a, I think that's part of the conscious decision I made to get as much of the of it presentable as possible without really finishing much of anything um so i guess as i as i started to get more and more of it like that as i was running trains on it i found that the, the you know the plywood sections of it were boring me a lot you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it became an incentive to uh to get to get most of it going there and i figure you know what i'll do all the heavy lifting um before I get too old to want to be, you know, underneath the layout, you know, <laughs> connecting feeders on my little creeper seat that I've got. Because um, you can always go back and, and, you know, add, there's a lot of shrubbery I need to do, a lot of weed material and things like that. And a lot of detailing of uh, individual scenes with, you know, forklifts and hand trucks and crates and, you know, all of the, stuff you see uh in any industrial kind of a scene you know it's a little it's it's pretty sparse i think when it comes to that kind of thing and i've got you know boxes of that stuff just waiting you know but i just haven't been able to bring myself to do too much of that when you've got these big gaping holes you know that that, that you're trying to fill you know mm -hmm. uh current focus i think is to try to finish that uh that roundhouse uh, that you saw probably just the the base of it with the pits in place and then the area on the other side of the swing gate which has just been a a debris field for years you know and it's it's just kind of an eyesore in the midst of two <clears throat> one side that's finished and the other side that's about to be finished and I said I've got to I've got to do this so really I just I went to the floral supply place and picked up a big uh you know, uh, SUV full of uh, more green florist foam uh, on Thursday. And um, I have a, a very large order of evergreen styrene coming in that will definitely last me the rest of my days. But uh, it'll be everything I need to finish the roundhouse and also build a lot of uh, industrial buildings that are going to go into that uh, little former oil tank room that we were we were, we were talking about earlier. I uh, I've actually cut and installed some some sub road bed in there, and that's an area that I I thought I won't get to this for until you know like next winter. Nope, it's happening. Yeah, that's um, good. I was talking to Confalone yesterday, and he said, "Are you going to put up that that photo backdrop at Pittston Junction that you were so hot to get to get?" And I said, "Yeah, I was hot to get it, you know, in December." Because I thought that was going to be my winter project, but I said I, I blame you because you said, "What are you What are you doing with the? Why don't you finish the end of Pittston Yard?" And I thought he's got a point. He's got a point because that was becoming a little locomotive-filled, you know, debris field uh, as well, you know. So I just thought, you know what, I am going to finish this section and and move across the peninsula so I have a 
finished backdrop to that, you know, on, on the other side. And that's all going to be happening, I think, in the next, you know, over the next couple of three months. That's great. Now, That's on your layout, where do you have like unfinished sections yet to build, or where are you with it? I've got most of the structures done, if not all of the structures done. I'd like to build a roundhouse, but that's going to be an add-on module. Uh, so I'd say pretty much all the structures are done. All the plywood is painted. All the all the contour is taken care of. Nice. The next the next step will be uh, to add uh, static grass or, or whatever. And so all the tracks on in. through the trees. Oh yeah, the track is uh, the track is good and it runs it runs very well. Um, mm -hmm. And most of the cars are are, are taken care of. Do you so have a favorite uh, thing in model railroading? Because the one thing that you love more than anything else. I like it all a lot, but I, I, I think I gyrate more toward uh, uh, the electronics part for sure. And I, I like I like building and I like scratch building. And uh, I haven't done anything on weathering cars yet. That really that's still that's still a reach out for me. And uh, I, I've got to sit down sometime and, and Sue's hot to do trees and and, and scenery. So uh Sit down with her and and spend some spend some. Oh, if you guys, making, if you guys want trees. a tree tree making lesson, uh, I can show you everything you need to know about making trees in twenty minutes. Uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and my fee will be: you got to make some trees and not walk out with them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fine. <laughs> as long as I can get the materials, you know that's a it's a that's a whole other conversation. I would say for me. What I like most about model railroading as a hobby is that I tend to have diverse interests and, you know, I can blow hot and cold on any one of them at any, at any given time. Uh, I kind of go with what my passion is at that moment, you know, and then go all, all in on that. And I, I can't think of another hobby offhand that is so diverse as model railroading, you know, it scratches my carpentry uh, like that I have and, uh, uh, you know, the art side of it and the engineering side of it. I mean, just you name it. There's always something uh, interesting to do for me in, in, in model railroading. I, I wonder sometimes if when there's no more unbuilt section of the layout, <laughs> will I still be able to say that? Almost by definition, not, right? Um, but fortunately, I enjoy um, operation and detailing and you know, work. You can always work on freight cars. I mean, there's locomotives. There's always something like that to continue to do yeah. as long as your, you know, your eyesight holds out. So, um, I'm not, you know, looking for the next hobby to replace this one. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know what I said to myself too was, uh, if you were to come in and knock on my door, oh, in what 15 minutes, and say, hey, Nick, uh, can I see your model railroad? Um, you know, I I jump for joy. Yep, come on, let's go. Um, and and I don't think there's there are many model railroaders that that uh, even even the lonest of the lone wolves that wouldn't like to have you have you down, and 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 show you show you what they've done. And I huh. I think the camaraderie and 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 the people that uh, that we've met on the road um, belie right. that fact. And it's just been it, that's that's been a very neat. 
part that I hadn't I hadn't really realized. Right. I made a lot of lifelong friends going to the proto meets when I was doing that a lot, you know, and I went to proto meets all over the country for a while there. Again, probably probably more during the 90s, you know, the late 90s, I guess. Um I was I was roaming all over the place and uh I went to proto meets in Chicago and California and uh you know down in Florida just basically every everywhere I could find one that and and a lot of times you you're meeting up with people that you developed a rapport with online in a news group I guess at the time or on on some of these other model railroading uh groups and hey, you know you click with who you click but it helps to have a a, a common interest yeah yeah What's uh what's planned? Any new any new projects coming up? Any new products coming up? Uh actually that's that's an interesting thing. I've been thinking about that. And uh no, not really not really anything on, on the drawing board. Um just to keep up to keep keep up with this right now in, in retirement is fine with me. Um, do you feel like you created a little bit of a monster? Uh yeah, a little bit of a monster at times, right? And yeah, at times, yeah. There, are, there are days I, I, I wonder, but uh, for the most part, it's been a lot of fun. You're not working with any OEMs, right? You're, you're, you're strictly a, a, a basically a retail and installer kind of a, of a market, right? Yep. Yep. That's it. That's exactly right. Yep. That's exactly right. Interesting. And well, I just soon keep it that way. The OEMs keep putting the JSD connectors in, and I keep smiling. Right, right. Fortunately, there's a standard. Um, the website is called? Uh, www.nixtrains.com. And that's not spelled right. That's N-I-X-T-R-A-I-N-Z. Got it. Got it. Someday I'll learn how to spell. Well, it's probably easier to 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 to, uh, to write down anyway. Um, you'll put the uh, you'll put a link on the podcast group later for anybody that wants to click on it. And I'll try to put sure. Into the uh, YouTube video uh, version of that. Um, any any other closing thoughts or comments or questions? Well, it's been a real pleasure talking with you tonight, Mike. Same here. It's just as enjoyable when you guys came down, and I, I enjoyed yeah. that visit. And we'll we'll do it again sometime. That'd be great. I'd look forward to it. All right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next month.